Now, if you think about your life, are there things that you have worried about that you've seen God solve? And things you worried about, you just didn't know how in the world you're going to get out of it, and God worked out a way? That's why I am not always governed by money. Otherwise, I would have never attempted anything in my life because I've never had it to start with, to do anything. But I always believe that what I'm doing is so right, <laughs> I'm going to trust the Lord and watch and see what He's going to do. So that's a, a dangerous way to go. I know that. So you've got to watch how far out in the water you go. And sometimes I thought, Lord, if I sink, people are going to think you couldn't take care of me because I'm going to tell people I'm trusting you. And if you let me down, <laughs> you know, try to put the guilt on God. God says, oh, I better not let Yankee down. He'll tell everybody. So he says in verse 50, he clave the rocks in the wilderness, divided them, gave them drink as out of the great depths. I mean, here they are out there. And he could give them water. He, they didn't know where the water was coming from. There's times in a ministry, you don't know where things are coming from. You don't know where people are coming to come from. You don't know where the money's going to come from. You don't know where anything's going to come from. So we could worry, fret, be afraid, hold back, or you trust the Lord and say, well, now, how is God going to get me out of this? I would venture to say that some of these kids came to Bible college wondering, I don't have a clue how I'm going to pay my bill. I'll bet you some of them probably thought something like that. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know. And there's parents probably back home says, I don't know either. What are you going to do when you get out of the Bible college? Be a Bible. If you can be a Bible and you just go around and sow the seeds, just keep sowing seeds. Because all your life, that's what you're going to do. For the next 40, 50 years, you're going to be sowing seeds. So gather up all the seeds you can. Otherwise, you'll start running out. You see, you can't take out of the bag what you don't put in the bag. Ray Stamper always said, be careful when you go to the grocery store. Because when you get home, you can only take out of the bag what you put in the bag at the grocery store. So while you're here, you keep putting into the bag. So you've got a whole bunch. When you leave, you've got enough to last you for a while. And you can keep sowing the seeds. But you've got to keep putting some more seeds. You've got to keep remembering. Always keep remembering. Look what he said in verse 16. He brought streams also out of the rock. Caused water to run down like rivers. I mean, with two million people out there, thirsty people. Cattle and all that, they had to have a lot of water. Make a river all of a sudden come out of a rock in the middle of a desert? They saw that. Wouldn't you have believed that, you know, this God is for real? I'll never forget this. Have you ever made promises when you were down? You ever get sick, get in the hospital and say, Lord, if you get me out of this, I promise that I'll, and what was it to finish it with? Made even, ever made, you know, some commitments to the Lord? And then after it's all over with, you forget all about that. How many times I've been to the hospitals with people and they say, Preacher, pray for me. When I get out, you can count on me. I'll be at church. I'm still waiting for them. Because as soon as they got up, they don't need God. Now it's kind of like the guy that had a leaky roof. Well, when it's raining, you can't fix it. When it's dry, it doesn't leak. So they just never get it fixed. So notice what else he says. In verse 17, And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Do you desire something more than the will of God? Think about it. Shouldn't we be satisfied doing what God wants us to do with our life? Do you desire more than that? Do you desire more than the will of God? You know, that might make God jealous. 
You know, here's the Lord right here. See there, Lord? Here's the Lord standing right here. And here's you. Oh, you're standing right here. Anything you try to put between you and God, because God's a jealous God, God can take that away. You never want to put something between you and God. As though you want it more, desire it more, and love it more. And it can be things, it can be people, it can be power, art, fame, glory, anything. Don't put anything between you and God. On the ship, I met this here one little lady. Her name was Joy. Joy, J-O-Y. Jesus and you with nothing between. And that's the way it ought to be. I told her that, by the way. Now notice what he says here in verse 19. Because now they wanted more. So in verse 19, yea, they spake against God. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God? That's a doubt. Did you know that it provokes God when you question God or His provision or how God's going to do something? Because you, by faith, you can't see how God is going to do something. You just can't see it. You don't have to. So he says here, Behold, he smote the rock, the waters gushed out, the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Yes, God can do all of that. So, but why was God upset? Well, down in verse 22 says, Because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation, or that God can deliver them from whatever is going to go happen. It's not always salvation from hell. But the things that you need and you want God to deliver you from, you've got to trust the Lord. And so then he says here in verse 23, Though he had commanded the clouds from above, opened the doors of heaven, rained down manna upon them to eat, and given them the corn of heaven, they had what they needed. God provided what they needed. But then it says, they wanted more, more. They said, we want some meat to eat. And so in verse 26, he caused an east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh also upon them as dust, as feathered fowls, like as the sand of the sea, and let it fall in the midst of their camp, round about their habitation. And they did eat, and they were well filled, for he gave them their own desire. They gave them their own desire. They wanted something more than what God had provided. And you can be surprised how it can provoke God. Be content with the way God provides for you. But make sure that God is providing for you. You've got to do some things that are right, that brings the blessings of God upon you. And if you rebel against the Lord, God is not going to bless disobedience. Notice what else he said. In verse 30, they were not estranged from their lust, but while they, their meat was yet in their mouth... The wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them because God can show you, I can do this, but it's not what I want to do. And the very thing you can sometimes desire, other than what God wants, can be a lead to destruction. It can destroy you. You better learn there's nothing better and greater than having God's will for my life and accepting that. And don't try to exalt yourself just... Take life as it comes. You notice as Jesus went about, he says he went about just doing good. And there's some times that I, you know, about four years ago, maybe five years ago, I went on this cruise. And I didn't know how it was going to happen. But lo and behold, 
I was just witnessing then one here, and then I witnessed the one there. Next thing you know, I had a whole bunch of them that trust the Lord. And one guy, because I was trying to figure out, I'd like to have a Bible study with these guys. And one guy that was watching what I was doing with this other person, and they trust the Lord, he come up to me, and I thought he was going to really chew me out or chew her out because was, he was over her. And he says, um, would you like to teach a Bible study? I've been wanting to know who the guy was. You several people, uh, several thousand people on a ship. How am I going to find the right? I, I didn't know who he was. He comes up to me. And next thing you know, I'm doing a Bible study for about 25, 30 of them on a, I think it was a Friday night at 12 o'clock midnight. So that's when they got off work. I was really tired. I wanted to go to bed, but I wasn't missing this Bible study for nothing. And I got a picture of it on my wall in, my, in there. But I didn't make it happen. I, I let it happen. But God gave me the desire that I had. I had a desire, but it's nothing wrong in having the desires where you can do more for the Lord. If it's when it begins to lead away from the things of God is where you have to really be careful. Notice what it says there in verse 32. For all this they sinned still, and believed not for His wonderful works. Therefore, now verse 33, you ought to underline your Bible because this is a very Important verse. It's a, like a warning verse. Therefore their days did he consume in vanity, and their years in trouble. Well, they lived. They lived. But because their heart was not right with God. And remember, he had said all those that are over a certain age, over 20 years of old, they were going to die in the wilderness and never enter into the promised land. So for 40 years, these people were dying off. And isn't it amazing that Joshua and Caleb, two of the ones, the spies that had gone into the land, just happened to live and they didn't die. Do you believe that death and life is in the hands of God? And that God can preserve a person's life? And God can take another person's life? Though it looks just like it's a natural thing. Oh, they just died, they just died, they just died. And so God can do this. He did this. And because of the rebellion to the Lord... They consumed their years and vanished for nothing. For nothing. And that's what can happen to a person. So while you're living and all the experiences you go through, good, bad, or indifferent, gather some seeds. These are experiences that you can go through and you can use them later. It makes you more wealthy. It's like a guy like Donald Trump has gotten wealthy because of all the dealings that he's made. As you go through life, I would like to state this. Donald Trump, even if he's $10 billion, he's not as rich as I am. He's not as rich as I am. He's not as rich as some of you are. If you know the Lord and he doesn't, you're richer, right? And if you serve the Lord and lay up treasure in heaven, you're richer, right? So if you serve the Lord, you're laying up treasure in heaven and you're gaining a wealth of knowledge. And by the experiences you go through, you learn the lessons from them that most people go through the same things and never learn what it is that God wanted them to learn. They just had troubles and probably complained about all the troubles instead of just trusting the Lord. Anyway, in verse 34, when he slew them, then they sought him and they returned and inquired early after God. And they remembered that God was their rock, but that wasn't the end of it. They flattered him, but in their heart they were far from him. 
Jesus says the same thing in the book of Matthew in chapter 23. Also, you'll notice here in verse 37, for their heart was not right with him. If there's anything that God knows, he knows if your heart is right with him. Now, people can see the things you say and do and can be impressed. But we really don't know your heart. We don't know whether or not you're just fooling us, deceiving us, because we're susceptible to be overwhelmed by your faithfulness and steadfastness, Bible quoting, all that, and yet your heart not be right with God. But God knows. Always remember that. Now look in verse 39. For he remembered God. He remembers that they are but flesh. A wind that passes away and cometh not again. That's how we know that reincarnation is not true. See what it says? A wind that passes away cometh not again. You're not coming back into this life as an animal, a bird, as a flea or a tick, a bug. And I'm sorry about all those people that believe that, but that's not the way it is. He says in verse 40, How often did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? After all God had done, they provoked the Lord. They provoked him to anger. Do you believe it's possible for a child of God to provoke God to anger? Can God be grieved with you? Can you say and do something that grieves the heart of God? Can you grieve the Holy Spirit? Is it possible? Think so. And then he says here in verse 41, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not His hand. All the things that God had done, they rebelled against the Lord. Now, as you know, when he goes back into the situation with Egypt, there's things that God had done, and he sent evil angels among them in verse 49. But in verse 50, he says, He made a way to his anger. He spared not their soul from death, but gave their life over to the pestilence. See, God can determine you're living or you're dying. When he says, put the blood upon the doorpost and across on the lintel, he says, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Does God know who has it and who doesn't and who's on the inside and who's the first son? And the firstborn would be safe if they had it and they did not have it. They were not safe and they would die. God can move and work. And you'd think that you ought to be so impressed with the power that they saw God display that man, they'd never turn against Him. And you know, one of the greatest evidences that anybody could ever see that should challenge and motivate anybody, I was not there when all that was going on. I wasn't there when Jesus Christ was crucified, even though there's a song, Were You There? Uh, I believe that He was thinking about me. And one of the greatest miracles that there's ever been is Jesus Christ coming back from the dead. Now, we've heard about it and read about it, and I never saw it, but blessed are those who believe it, even though they never seen it. That is one great big miracle that ought to challenge and motivate every one of us. If he can do that, he can do anything. He can not only take life, he can give life. 
Because Christ died that he might give to us eternal life. And notice what he says here in verse 51. And smote all the firstborn in Egypt, verse 52, but made his own people to go forth like sheep, guided them in the wilderness like a flock. Now, we know that the Lord, he was the shepherd. And there's the, the sheep. And look, the things that he used. He used a, a cloud and he used, the, you know, the, the light of the fire by night and he supplied the miraculous manna from heaven and he gave them water out of a rock. Even though they didn't see God, they saw things working together for their good. And God was leading them and for 40 years in the wilderness, God took care of them and he led them. You and I, we're living now. Do we see God? I don't see God. And yet, you'd be surprised at the things that happens in their life. You see, they wouldn't have needed that water out of the rock if they had never gotten thirsty. Remember, they went three days one time without water. They were thirsty. Who knows how many other things happened that were not even recorded. So is it possible for God in heaven to be working in your life and letting this happen and then letting this happen and then getting you out of this and then getting you out of that and putting you into something and dead ends and... Dry holes and detours. Remember that sermon? So all these things that can be happening to you happens to me. But God wants us to learn from all of these things and learn to put our trust in the Lord. And so he says, and I love that verse, guided them in the wilderness like a flock, a shepherd leading his people. Now, look there in chapter 78, but also now look there in verse 60. Look in verse 60. So that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent, which he placed among them. Now, see, Ichabod means uh, the glory of the Lord hath departed. And there was a time when the glory of the Lord came and his presence was right there in the tabernacle above the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. And then because of Israel's rebellion against God, the presence of the Lord was gone. Now, one of the promises that we have in the New Testament is that when Christ indwells us by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the Shekinah glory. We have Christ inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'll never leave you and never forsake you. We're a temple that he says he'll never leave and never forsake. We have the promise of God on that. So he makes this statement. He says in verse 61, And delivered his strength into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hands. You see, Israel was his son. That's why he says, I've called my son out of Egypt. Later on, we know he's also referring to Jesus Christ who came out of Egypt, his son. But he looked at Israel as his son. And he brought them out of Egypt. But now he has taken his strength, his firstborn son, his son, and he has caused him to go into captivity. So much damage was done that didn't have to be. Did you know God brought along a man by the name of David, a young fellow? And so God used him. See that in verse 68. But chose the tribe of Judah, the Mount Zion, which he loved. He built his sanctuary like high places, like the earth which he hath established forever. He chose David, also his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the ewes, 
great with young, he brought him, and you ought to underline this in your Bible. Because he was a good shepherd with the sheep, he fed the sheep. He looked after the sheep. He protected the sheep. And when a bear wanted to come in and destroy the sheep, he killed the bear. When a lion came in, he killed the lion. He had learned how to love the sheep, to defend, protect the sheep. So now God said, that's the kind of a man I'm looking for. I got a few more sheep, which is the children of Israel. So God was looking for a, a young man to bring along. And yes, he learned a lot of things, even from a guy like Saul. And look what God did in David's life. How that God allowed David to be hunted down like a hound. I mean, just trying to destroy him. And Saul wanted to kill him so bad. And he had to run for so long. And all the stories that happened to him. But Samuel had anointed him to be the king of Israel. See, God had a plan too. God had a purpose. So God took this young man who couldn't see down the road. And he says, there's only one step between me and death. But he had a heart for God. And God wanted to raise him up because God wanted him to be a shepherd because he had some sheep. And this is why I say you gotta, you got to gather. Gather the seeds. You see what he says there in verse 71? To feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. These experiences that he went through before he became the king is the same lessons he used to feed the flock of God. Lessons that you're going to learn while you're young or lessons you're going to need down the road. So in verse 72, so he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Lessons that he had learned a year before. And then sometimes down the road, was there ever a time when David forgot who he was, whose he was. And instead of staying doing the king's job, he lusted someplace else. Did it cost him when he desired more than the will of God and destroyed himself and did a lot of damage in his family? Consequences that didn't have to happen. But he also made some bad decisions. And these are things we don't want to forget. Serve God. You're blessed. He'll allow a lot of things to happen in your life. Good, bad, or indifference. Everything's not going to go your way. You can complain, whine about all kinds of things. But there's lessons to be learned that helps you to be stable in the Lord. And then God's going to bless you. Because of the attitude that we all have. And every one of us, whether we're young or whether we're old, we're not dead yet. we still got lessons to learn. we got some more seeds to gather. And these stories, experiences we go through is to um, give the moisture and some of the uh, fertilizer for the, the seeds to be planted. Because people will listen to the seed when it follows with a story that holds their attention. And so there's a lot of adventure ahead for the child of God. Look up here. This end, let it represent you and me, and all it represents sin. We all have sin on us. God, He loves us. Now, He hates our sin, but He loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from the Lord in a place called hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. For us to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. 
no sin. But none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all come short of God's perfection. So God says you cannot save yourself. You can only die. The wages of sin is death. So God says he sent his son, Jesus Christ. This hand represents Jesus Christ. God in the flesh came into the world because he loves us. Now he hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So he took all of our sins, paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead. He said, if we'll believe that he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account and we get to go to heaven based upon what Jesus Christ did for us. That's the best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With head bowed, nice clothes, and no one looking around. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you may have heard it a lot of times, but maybe you never personally trust the Lord. Wouldn't it be a shame to one of these days you wake up in hell realizing that you thought, well, I had a lot of time. Well, I thought God would be a little bit more patient with me and all of a sudden cut off without remedy. Would you trust the Lord tonight? If you've never done so, would you do it right now? I'm not going to ask you stand up or come forward. I'm just going to ask you to receive what Christ did for you. He said if you'd believe it, he would save you. And if you're watching by internet tonight, right where you are, you don't have to sign a card or you don't have to come forward. All you got to do is right where you are, believe it. Believe that when Christ died, he died for you. And that all you have to do, because it's the only thing you can do, is believe that he did that for you. Because he didn't want you to pay for your sins. He did it for you. And he said, if you'll believe he did it for you, he'll give you eternal life as a free gift. You can know that you're going to heaven. I pray that you will. With head bowed, eyes closed, and I'm looking around. Is there anyone at all say, yes, that made sense to me. And tonight, I will trust Christ as my Savior. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Our Father, we do thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to know you and to love you, to serve you. We just pray your will to be done. And thank you, Lord, for the beginning of college. Bless the teachers and the staff and everybody that is involved so that we can do the best job we can. You have asked us to be shepherds for, for your flock, to help lead and guide them and to watch over and protect them. And, Lord, we love these kids, and we want the best for them. We want to help put some seeds into those little seed bags they've got so that down the road, as you give them some various illustrations in their life, they can put it all together and serve you more effectively. So bless them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.